Hello everyone and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. It's a busy old time in the business end of the season. Uh, we're going to be talking all about the European competitions and maybe a little bit more in this Patreon special podcast. Chris O'Reilly here, joined by Brian Campion. Hello, Chris. Thank you very much for the first uh, first name and call out there. I like that very much. There you go. Second in the list, Brian Campion now, always. Second <laughs> name in the team sheet. And, <laughs> and Alex Kulesh. Hey, Chris. And uh, Alex, uh, I don't know if we want to share this with the listeners, but uh, you've some big news yeah, for I us Yeah, I think all. it's a good time to share since uh, it's going to happen in a couple of days and probably will happen by the time this podcast is out. So... Uh, the big news is that this is going to be my last podcast on European soil for a while. I am going to be going to the handball promised land that is the US of A. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be moving to Boston for the next next while, a couple of years, a couple more, who knows. Um, and you know, I'll be getting on the ground and seeing what the american handball dream is all about really uh that's not really it's not that's not the only reason, reason you're going, going right <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of more reasons like my real day-to-day job primarily uh but uh that doesn't change anything we will still be bringing no. podcasts now it's going to be transatlantic and at weird times yeah. for at least one or two of us nothing we're not used to We've recorded at all hours. This, for example, is uh, almost half past nine on a Sunday night. And uh, I was over at your place, Alex, yesterday for our fair- your farewell party and then buzzed back to Gothenburg to do uh, the Kiel Berlin game, which we may get to at some point. Hold on, Chris. I have to, I have to just give you props. You were on the karaoke mic. This man was on the karaoke mic for about three hours Belting out everything from Bon Jovi to a lovely duet of uh, Wannabe by the oh, Spice yeah. Girls that me and Chris did. <laughs> and then the next day, his voice was still silky mm-hmm. smooth on the air for HBL TV. There you go. What a professional. That's it. Well, I went to bed at one o'clock. I, went home, I left at one o'clock, which was the key. I think, but the annoying thing is by the time I was in bed, it had magically turned into three o'clock because of the clocks going forward. So that kind of kicked me in the arse. But yeah, so I'm still here, but I'm not sure how much longer I'll stay awake. So let's uh, let's see what we can do in the next uh, few minutes. Let's start. So speaking with... of falling asleep, let's start with Zeget. Yes, you read my <laughs> yes. mind, Campo. And I, should we start with the public statement or should we start with brian's experience there because you were on site for the big game Seged against vesprem after half of handball that i think i've never really no, i have seen similar things in person but 19-7 at halftime to vesprem was yeah it was it just sucked all of the energy out of the arena and i remember the the, the, build, the build up to the game as well the place was hopping and i really felt like this is going to be a really really special game 
games in the past that you see between Zegan and Vesprim are always full of fireworks. Zegan are normally always up for them, but this one was just complete. The wheels just fell off so early. And then by the end, by, uh, by the middle of the half, it was just pure damage control at that stage. And uh, I think it was one of you that retweeted Gaspar Margucci had scored more goals than the entire Zegan team after, I think, was it after, <laughs> what was it? I can't remember. Oh, geez, I should have looked that up before. I, th- I think it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, in the, fir- in, in the first half, yeah. right? Yes, 27 minutes gone. Zegad, pick Zegad six, Gaspar Margucci eight. Kind of sums <laughs> up the, uh, the first half there. It does. Yeah. But, but what <laughs> happened there? So, so what, what was it from your perspective where Zegad just absolutely terrible what what happened in that first it felt a little bit like Zegged were actually terrible I think when Miguel Martins is having his best game for Zegged there's something a little bit up there uh, probably <laughs> the best game we've ever seen playing <laughs> in the blue of Zegged uh, and things just it, you know I really felt like they were, they were they were playing terribly but all the balls nothing was really dropping for them so 50-50 um, chances or unlucky shots every, nothing was coming off for them and you kind of felt like everything and the bounce of the ball was just going perfectly for for Vesprem and Vesprem just lapped up that momentum and just just went for it and yeah Gaspar Margucci with 11 goals was just flying it up and down the court and Patrick Ligadvari as well who when yeah. Kent Mahé got the red card they needed someone to step up to kind of replace his threat from the backcourt and I never thought it would be Patrick Ligavari who's popping up I mean he only scored four goals when I checked it afterwards I was a bit surprised I was, it was only four because it felt like a lot more goals because the moment he scored the goals and how he scored them as well absolute rockets each, each and every each and every one of them was was pretty incredible he is he is our random rocket in the past and proved to be another random rocket mm. for Veshram in that oh, game yeah. shall we do the dramatic reading this is what Alex really wants from this podcast the dramatic reading oh, absolutely of uh, the letter Chris, shall into I? It. okay go first yeah shortly after the game the uh, the fan group for Seged published an open letter to the OTP bank pick Seged team exclamation mark there's a saying in sports you can lose but not like this you played yesterday's derby without belief or willpower you played lifelessly and gave up without fight anyone who plays like this is not worthy of wearing the Seged jersey that's why we asked you to take it off at the end of the match Anyone who wears this shirt has a duty to do everything on and off the field to lead the team to victory. If the fans see this, they will be satisfied and proud of you, regardless of the result. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Yesterday you brought shame to Seged and let down the fans. All nearly 8,000 people who were there and many more who watched the match on TV, you let us down even though we supported you. Again, even when you were 10 goals behind. Again. Whether you leave or stay at the end of the season, do you want to be remembered like this in second handball history? If not, then never step on the field with this attitude again, like yesterday. Plow the field! Fight like lions, crawl and climb for every single ball. If you do that, we will be proud of you. The season is not over yet. 
You have the opportunity to show your true selves and skills. But if you play like yesterday, you will play the last games in front of empty stands. Pretty inspiring, actually. (laughs) It is pretty inspiring. I hope that's read out to the team before the second leg. I really do. But it felt like, it, it did feel like the crowd completely gave up on the team after that first half or in the middle of that first half. Is that what you felt in the arena, Brian? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the, the quietest I've ever felt it in the arena there. And I've been there a few times now and I've never heard it as quiet as that. You could almost hear a pin drop at some stage during the game. And it, people were quite angry as well. The whole second half, people were jeering and hissing and it, was, it, was, it wasn't the best atmosphere then. So yeah, to a certain degree, I think the crowd really gave up with them after the, after the first half. Um, but it's kind of a, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's such an up and down season for Zeged. I don't know, you remember that Gattuso in, in, in football, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. And I kind of really felt like that was. <laughs> <laughs> Except a lot more shit, a lot more shit than, than yeah. good uh, th- this season for Zeged. But it, it's a tough situation for them, I think, um, knowing that the coach is gone next yeah. year, knowing that. Probably about half the team will be gone next year. You know, I, I don't know what the contracts are, but I think um, probably a lot of them haven't been extended um, over the last year, knowing that Pastor is going. And just having that uncertainty is a difficult um, position to be in as a player, as a team, because what what are you really fighting for here? You know, what... you. Your, their minds are probably elsewhere. Their um, coach is probably not into it either. You know, his he was basically sacked. You know, he you know, so it's a difficult position for Zeget. It's a difficult mental state to be in, and I think the first half just showed the, showed the frailty of that team because you can pretend everything is okay you can say oh no we'll still fight for this one last season have a big heroic uh send-off but when truly you don't have the momentum behind you when you don't have a future ahead of you when you get hit by something like that veteran first half you just crumble and that's what happened it's weird like why would you why would you announce it as well when you don't have anything lined up either and i think then there was kind of scrambling around trying to find someone after uh, like in the the months following the uh, the world championship uh, so it was like it's a, it's a weird thing to announce when you've no kind of plan afterwards so it just seems a little bit scattered from the club itself and it looks like they just kind of yeah in, in, in inverted commas f- fired him but then didn't really have anything to didn't have anything lined up and so the players themselves are thinking well we don't have he's not gonna be in charge next season and we don't know who's gonna be in charge next season so it's all a bit it's all a bit up in the air and it's not a great mindset to be playing in a team like that when you just kind of feel like well, this is all a bit all over the place. Um, so not great. You have to remember, like, remember Vardar winning the Champions League when they weren't getting paid and there was like seven of them? I mean, there's there there are two ways to look at it and two ways to react to that. But that's getting over adversity in a kind of, it's the team against the rest. Uh, in that case, it was the club, everything's going on and the team just bands together and believes. This is kind of, Every, everything is up in the air. It's the, the team itself, the coach, the... If anything, it's kind of the team against the club in, in, in a different way, 
here, the the vice versa way, um, where the club is actually in a safe position. It's just that every single player knows that they're not in a safe position. But when you think, like, take it back to take back to that vest, the Vardar team who won the Champions League and the characters in that dressing room as well. Can you think of someone in that Zega dressing room who would kind of stand up and band all those guys together? Because we talked about it before, there seems to be kind of a lack of someone who's going to take the game by the scruff of the neck. And it's not going to be someone like Richard Bodo, for example. I mean, who who is it going to be? Like, who would you look to in that dressing room and think who's going to, in those difficult times, kind of band the group together? Because I can't really think of a of a personality in there. Like Bombach, you'd think would. Roland Mickler is like, he's like the leader of the Hungarian national team as well in this kind of iconic figure. Um, you know, you feel like they, maybe... Yeah, maybe Ben Sabanhidi as well. You'd expect like to be a leader in the team. I think Banhidi's downfall or his loss of form over the last year, due to injuries, due to a lot of stop and starts, has also really contributed here. He scored um, zero goals. If anything, Miklas Rosta is mm. the better line player for Zegat this season and has been. Uh, and you know their reliance on Banhidi in the in the past. To kind of dictate their style of play, uh, without him there, you know they seem to not have uh, a backup. Obviously, Dejan Bambach is not the player he used to be. And then you kind of look around that squad, and you know who's there. You know, Ken Tonnenson, like, yeah, we have it. Like when Garcianda has taken nine shots for you, you know something's. Uh, uh, we, something's we've, we've had this conversation before. <laughs> we've let's, let, that's the end of Seged for this season. That, uh, that'll be the end of us and Seged until they beat Vesprem and win the league uh, at the end of the season as they, as they do. Just, just one, one last point on this game, but actually on Vesprem, because we haven't talked about Vesprem. It was interesting to see Remley playing for Vesprem in the Champions League. Now, he's played, obviously, in the league for them, but um, it's not games that are very easily accessible. So it was interesting to see his role in it. And I think he didn't have a barnstormer of a game. He he scored four goals, I think, from nine shots. And, yeah, it, it's not like he really took over. But I think, as he said, Brian, as well, with Mahig and that red card, Remily brings this playmaking ability to the squad. Even when he's playing right back, he's still a really good playmaker, and he, you know, he can go into the center and do his thing. And I think that's a gap that probably Veshram needed filled because, apart from my, they don't really have a creator in that backcourt. You know, Lagushmit is more of a finisher. Um, Eldera is just a a one-on-one beast as opposed to a, a creative presence. And I think Remily, not just being left-handed, because <laughs> that's what they really needed. They needed a left-hander. Um, but I think that playmaking ability could be really good for Veshram going forward. So, um, yeah, something to look out for. And I think it was a hopeful uh, Champions League debut for him. Yeah, and also quite a common um, influence of some of the players there. He's, when I was courtside with him, he was he's doing so much talking to some of the players and kind of some players are about to rush off and he was like, no, look, we're winning by like 79 goals. Relax, cool it, cool the Jets here a little bit. So I think he has a, he has a good influence on some of the younger players in the team as well. So he's kind of bringing that experience with them. So, best friend beats I get by 13. Uh, Kiel, we don't need to talk about that game against Dinamo Bucharest. I thought it'd be closer. Yeah. Disappointing. 41-28. What wasn't disappointing? 
I said we're not talking about the Keel Bubba <laughs> Crusty game. Fuck that shit. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> oh boy, gee, oh gee. I, I, I thought you'd be like gagging for it, Alex. It was the game of the round. It, it was the game that it was fantastic. Saved the round, I would say. Although you know, Palazzo oh, well, yeah. was a fantastic mm. game. A fantastic game. Yeah. It was uh, a draw. It was a uh, great fans there, but the storylines in. Um, oh. Gay Gay and Alborg were fantastic and Marius Monk Marius Monk what the hell brilliant 